0: Hello and welcome to InTrust. My name is Rick Kitagawa.
1: And I'm Lisa Lombard. And thanks for joining us for our show about the most valuable leadership asset, trust.
0: Today, we've got a special episode of InTrust for You, where we'll be sharing some clips from our 2020 interviews where our guest offered insights we want to be sure to bring forward with us into 2021 it was really tough for us to choose just one short clip per interview because our guests have been so generous in sharing practical leadership insights. So if any of these clips particularly resonate with you, we invite you to consider it as an appetizer and check out the full interviews in our back catalog. We'll also link to all of the episodes in the show notes.
1: Let's kick off this special episode with a clip all the way back from episode two, Building Amazing Products Through Trust with Ryan Flahive. In this clip, Ryan talks about how, if you're willing to step into the fire, problems can be great opportunities to build a culture of trust and strengthen relationships for the long haul. Here's Ryan.
2: Well, I hope that when people I've worked with throughout my career think of me they think of me as the guy who, who jumps into the fire when there's a problem, who goes directly to customers when there's issues. And that's kind of multi-level, multi-stakeholder problem solving um, in that, you know, you have customers. It's easy to walk away from the customer who's complaining and who your product failed. I think it's important, first of all, to acknowledge the problems you've created for them. So, for example, years and years ago, I launched or was part of a big team that launched a new platform. I don't even know how many tens of thousands of classes had adopted it, but it didn't work in, you know, the first day of classes across the country. Um, and you know, as the owner of a product line, then geography and geology, I had to jump in and I reached out to all the customers and I made myself very available. And that built me some very strong relationships with those customers that, you know, pays dividends today, even though I'm no longer in that field. And just as important and again, I'm, I'm, I hope this is how I'm remembered by the sales force as the guy who made their lives easier because they didn't create this problem. You know, my, my production team, my, my editorial team, you know, to some extent did create this problem. So having sales reps know that they have product team members who will step into the fire, talk directly to their customers, apologize, take ownership and articulate a solution, I think is just key. Luckily, in my new company, we haven't had that issue. I've got an amazing engineering team. Uh, our CTO is incredible. He built the product from scratch. And so we haven't had to deal with customer service issues like that. But I'm hoping that through my customer outreach, I can build relationships outside of the company and then demonstrate to people inside of the company that I, that I really care, that I'm honest, that I'll take ownership when things go wrong and it's my fault and the buck stops here. But most important that we're in it together and I believe in creating a culture of trust and uh, customer-centered innovation and
0: multi-stakeholder decision-making. This clip is from episode four, the long and the short of collaboration with Jen Waldman and Peter Shepard. Pete offers a great story he learned about collaboration from Barack Obama and Jen wraps it all up the long and short of its style. Here's Pete and Jen. Barack was you know,
3: on stage talking to 200 odd brilliant social change makers around the world and all around Asia Pacific. And he was saying, for eight years, I was the most powerful, heavily resourced man on the planet. And yet I still couldn't get all of the change that I wanted to get enacted. I still couldn't make the impact I wanted to with climate change. I still couldn't quite do all of the things I wanted to do. So this idea that you out there Can you do it alone? This idea that you think that you, as one individual, are going to change this world, it's probably not that realistic. And so, not as a way of crushing people's dreams, but actually as a way of creating hope, like find one another, find someone else that can help you with your change, work together. And I think in this conversation, like, you know, we've talked about Jen and I working together, you and, you know, Rick and Lisa working together. And I think it doesn't have to be co-founders it doesn't have to be that you always work together but like the story we shared about other coaches helping us get clarity just find other people to help you find community i guess to help you with the work that you're doing with the ideas that you have with the change that you seek to make so i'll just steal some wisdom from barack and sort of share it
4: this is sort of how our podcast goes So it feels sort of like we've come, we've just entered an episode and now what's going to happen is I'm going to say, oh my gosh, Pete, if you combine our two ideas, then essentially what we're saying is find other people who believe what you believe and then go out there and raise hell together. That there is, there's something about then the mashup of the ideas where we come up with the thing, which we would then co-advise to a listener.
5: (laughs)
1: Next up is a clip from episode five, Leading at the Frontiers of Science with Sean Lee, where Sean shares key elements of building and sustaining trust and some of the challenges that arise when trust is lost. Here's Sean. I
6: I think the biggest thing that I've learned, and I'm I'm constantly learning, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned through my career and and, both personal and and professional life is that the trust is earned um, and, and it takes time to be fostered and nurtured and it, you know really communication especially in the world that we live in right now is so key um to make sure that, that people feel heard that people feel respected and i think that those are key elements of, of building that trust but just as that trust is built up i think another big challenge is that it can quickly be lost if, if people feel that they're not being respected if 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 people feel like they're being betrayed or, or you're not doing what you know what you said you would um, and, and I think that the challenge is there that it, it can take so much to build it, but it can be taken away in an instant and you really need to be um, mindful of the decisions you make and, and their consequences because sometimes once that trust is lost, it be, it's almost impossible to build it up with those stakeholders. And, and it could be something that, you know, be it a client, be it a partner, be it you know, you know, somebody within your own circle, if, if you damage that, that, that trust with them, it becomes very, very difficult not only to, to build it back up, but just to operate because your, your whole operating structure was built upon that idea of mutual trust. And I think that it's, it's challenging when, when you lose that. And so, so I would just say that, you know, for me, you know, trust and trust at scale, it's all about trying to build and maintain those relationships because I think the, those, that, those human interactions are, are so critical in trying to get things done. And if people begin to question whether or not they can believe what you're saying or whether or not you have their best interests at heart or, or, or you're sort of, everybody's pointed in the same direction. It just, it undermines everything that you're trying to accomplish. You know, you, you want people focused on the problem you want people focused on looking forward. You don't You don't want them questioning whether or not you're doing what you say you're gonna do or that everybody's pushing in the same direction.
0: Our next clip is from episode seven Reinventing yourself by building trust with Yunshi Zhou, where Yunshi shares practical advice for building trust in yourself when looking to make a change in your career. Here's Yunshi.
7: Prioritize experience before certifications, and I think by you being coaches of all MBA um, can really attest to this. That especially in terms of going into a creative. Career, um, it's all about starting small and seeing that you can follow through and getting those experiences along the way versus, you know, like um, getting this sheet of paper that says you can do something, but you need to constantly practice it. So, um, a lot of people who are thinking about going into creative field, they tell me that, oh, I don't have an art degree or, um, you know, I don't have a business degree. And and i like to share my story of how i also don't have a business degree i actually got rejected from the business school and look at where i'm not right so full circle so like really that sheet of paper doesn't need to hold you back and know that you can have um you can create those experiences for yourself whether it's creating a project of your own or you know shadowing someone like that is so accessible to you um and it can feel really empowering when you know that you don't have to go a specific way and that like there's not even a right way or a wrong way to do things.
1: Next up, we have a clip from episode eight, the real skills needed for success with Stacy Richards. In this clip, Stacy talks about how trust is elemental to the real skills that are essential to great leadership. Here's Stacy.
4: It's important to be real and to be genuine in order to earn trust. And that's anywhere, right? That's not just in the workplace. That's in your personal relationships. That's in your day-to-day interactions with people, the barista, you know, or uh, the person working at the postal service or whoever it is, you know, you have to be yourself so that others can be themselves too. And that engenders trust, so, you know, I think that if I look at sort of the pillars of the real skills, and when I say real skills, I'm, I'm talking about the soft skills or the essential skills that are beyond the technical, right? The things that I know from 20 plus years in, in professional life really help a person to be successful and to be um, a good leader and to be trusted, right? So many of those real skills, if you dig down deep into them, have an element of trust there, right? right? Empathy, the ability to deeply connect with people and understand um, exactly why they think and and do the way that they think and do. There has to be trust there to dig into that and to, um, you know, you have to trust yourself to have the conversations that you need to have to to really get empathetic with somebody. You know, execution, right, Um, is such an important element of a real skill that you need to be successful in any workplace. In order to execute effectively, you have to uh, have a team that trusts you and you trust them as well to make all the moving parts to any project or initiative work. And so trust is elemental to a lot of what you do in your practice and what I hope to do with my coaching practice and hope I do. And, you know, it's something that. It not only has to be talked about and examined, but demonstrated every day. So it's a really important part of, of how I, I hope to interact, not just in my coaching practice, but personally as well.
1: Next is a clip from episode nine, building boundaries for a better future with Shannon Weber. In this clip, Shannon talks about the importance of making space for trust. She also talks about the practice of regularly reflecting on our own trustworthiness and who and what we trust in our ever-changing world. Here's Shannon. It's about, it's a going back to that process of like showing up and being there in the process.
8: So Adrienne Marie Brown in this book called Emergent Strategy. So she talks about a process of creating and facilitation that is called Emergent Strategy. And she has this quote that says, if you trust people, they become trustworthy. And so as I said at the beginning, I've come to realize fundamentally like how brave it is for me as an individual to trust someone and the value of that. And then what's it like for me to acknowledge that and reciprocate that from someone who trusts me. And so what I have learned is how important it is to make space for that on that individual and watch that ebb and flow and be able to recognize, am I putting out signals that are trustworthy? Does my work seem trustworthy? If not, where can I fix that? Am I feeling back that someone trusts me? But also for for myself about other people, does that person I used to believe as a thought leader feel trustworthy to me today in the middle of the multiple epidemics that we are experiencing, right? No, that's shifted a lot for me. And so paying attention to that Uh, Like innate sense of feeling how that process ebbs and flows is what I have learned and the thing I trust today may not be the thing I trust a week from now because I'm on this Evolution as a human and I really want to be around people that are like that, too um, It's not like I want to lose friends or not feel trust in friends, for example But I want to be on a journey with people who are also in this ebb and flow process of examining the process of being trustworthy and trusting
0: Up next is a clip from episode 10, Creating a More Meaningfully Connected World with Kat Vellos. Kat shares her insights about breaches of trust and friendships, and the necessity of trust in those relationships. Here's Kat.
9: And so when trust is broken in a situation like that, sometimes people carry that for months, if not years, and then feel less open to making and trusting a new friend again, or trusting, you know, other friends in their life on such a deep level. And so trust is so key. And it's a really, really big part of being successful, making and maintaining friendships. Even when something goes wrong, you know, I was speaking to a woman recently who was describing, you know, a trust breach in her, one of her longest friendships. And when trust is broken, it's not just okay. Well, this thing happens and it's broken, and that means it's broken forever. You know, she wanted to heal from that breach, and and the other friend didn't. They were like, uh, "I'm out," you know, and in that way that that further harms the trust because then she was unable to trust that friend that they were as invested in keeping the friendship as she was, you know. So trust is a really, really important factor in friendship. I honestly don't believe you can have a real true friendship if you don't trust the other person or if they can't trust you. And we show our trust in the way that we show up for each other, the way that we communicate together, the way that we work together to maintain a friendship. And so uh, every opportunity that we have to do that and we show up and do it, it builds trust. It's like putting money in the bank and it's just this like you know, savings account of trust that you build up over and over and over again.
1: Next is a clip from episode 11. Difference Making Through Trust with Scott Perry. In this clip, Scott shares a simple and practical system he uses to reframe and embrace uncertainty and adversity. Here's Scott.
5: Coming up with systems for dealing with fear, resistance, imposter syndrome, lizard brain, whatever you want to call it. And I just adopted at a very young age this idea of saying to myself whenever I come across uncertainty or adversity, of saying, isn't that interesting? And it helps me pause for a minute and see it not as a disaster or a misfortune or as an insurmountable obstacle, but, huh, this is interesting. And then I can zoom out, look for the silver linings, look for a way around, through, or over, and. If I don't succeed, yay, another chance to embrace the virtues of humiliation, which are patience, acceptance, resilience, and character building, which, you know, that's still a win.
0: (laughs) Next is a clip from episode 12, Better Leaders, Better Communities, with Danny Bauer. In this clip, Danny shares some practical tips for dealing with imposter syndrome and how to move forward, even if you might not yet have trust in yourself. Here's Danny.
10: Yeah, practically speaking, you know, how do, how do you flip the question, right? And, and think, well, why can't I do that? You know, we got to get out of our, our heads. And, and And, you know, I mean, we're talking this same language here when we get going with the imposter syndrome and the resistance like that shows up for everyone it's showing up for me in the second book that I'm writing because this time instead of self-publishing I wanted to explore what it was like to work with a publisher and so there's there's a real due date that we mutually agreed to right but it just feels a little bit different it's a little scarier so if I was somebody that, that didn't have the same type of confidence ask yourself why not get other people around you don't do it alone so have some type of Supportive community, and you know a, a favorite coaching question that I love to use is, "What's the next smallest step?" Right. So, the book is long; it's forty thousand to sixty thousand words. But I could write a blog post, you know, and a book is just a series of blog posts that you <laughs> vomit hit your editor, and then they put it together and turn it into a book. And if you've never written a blog post, write an outline. Right. So. Just keep getting smaller and smaller with something that inspires you and try to take action on that. I think, again, going back to the consistency, right? Clarity, what you want to achieve, why you want to achieve it. Think about how you might feel when you do. Uh, Maybe even plan your celebration if it is. uh, Launching a business, writing a book and and, uh, getting into that moment and and rumble with that experience. Because I think that could pull you through the hard part.
0: Up next is a clip from episode 13, Building Big Ideas Through Trust with Rebecca Kirstine Rush. Rebecca shares with us in this clip how her default of trust allows for building trust quickly and effectively. Here's Rebecca.
11: I trust, I just innately trusted people and, and I, I operated on this other paradigm where I just believed people were trustworthy and I operated as such until they gave me a reason not to trust them. And if you know anyone that, that knows me, you know, once you give me a reason not to trust you, it's pretty hard to earn that back. But I wholeheartedly go into relationships believing that people are trustworthy and expecting them to be. And for in large part, that has really worked well for me and, People have been in support of of me or my vision or my idea or in friendship, whatever it has been. And yeah, I've been burned like anyone else has been burned um, by trusting others. But the trade-off in not trusting people as the default is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a far more painful path. So entering into any relationship, believing that the other person is as trustworthy as you are. You see signs pretty quick when people aren't as trustworthy as you are and you, you develop a sense for that. And even then, you know, that, doesn't, that doesn't make them bad or wrong. I just operate differently with people that I feel a little bit uncertain about trusting because of some of their behaviors have indicated to me that I can't necessarily trust them. Then you know that's, that's way harder to earn back. But I find that people are really receptive when you just trust them, they let go a little bit and start to trust you.
1: Next is a clip from episode 16, Trusted Parenting During Pandemics, with Dr. Robert Zeitlin. We think that what Dr. Zeitlin shares in this clip will be a particularly hot topic in 2021. Dr. Zeitlin talks about the tight squeeze that you might have experienced yourself this past year as a result of command and control management strategies. More importantly, Dr. Zeitlin reminds us of the opportunity to reimagine more human and trust-centered management strategies moving forward. Here's Dr. Zeitlin.
12: I think it is, you know, parents are getting it from both sides and parents are getting the, we need you in front of a screen even more than we demanded you be in front of a desk and to punch a virtual clock. And then and then we're demanding you to sort of crack the whip with your kids as well. And so parents are in this incredible squeeze. And I, I end up lately working with parents that are coming to me in the conventional way. And then also I'm dealing with parents coming to me through business sources, through HR managers, through people trying to solve this impossible problem here. You know, if, we, if the problem was command and control, and we kind of recognize, I think the three of us would agree, that it's not really a great management strategy, but it hasn't really uh, rinsed out of the system yet. And now we have this sort of doubling, you know, molarity of, of command and control coming down the pike for work at home and a doubling of it with, with virtual learning. What I'm seeing is enormous stress on parents who are starting to have to give up carefully curated lives of balancing, participating in capitalism and self-care and supporting their family. And now the, the house of cards that they've built of sort of managing a balance and the house of cards they've built around self-care are completely like knocked down and they're having to figure out how to rebuild. So one of the central things that I'm working with most parents I'm coaching is how do we rebuild that, but actually build it back in a way that is more sustaining and not just a sort of cobbling together of a minute here and a minute there. The more that they do that, the more that they see the the challenges that their work setting and their kids' school setting are putting in front of being a human being and not necessarily being treated like a robot.
0: Up next is a clip from episode 15. Leadership, collaboration, and trusting yourself with Mike Linden. This clip has Mike sharing some important advice on building trust within yourself by relearning how you think about validation. Here's Mike.
13: And so I think when you're creating something, whatever it might be, and you you release it to the world, there is a moment there where where you're looking for validation. You're looking for someone else to say that that's good, that that's okay, that that's worthwhile. And I think that's the the difficult part to let go of is to go are you happy with where it is? And I mean to unravel that, I think almost requires a relearning. And what I mean by that is We grow up with so many influences, whether it's our parents or our teachers or, you know, our friends around us looking for this validation, you know, when you make something and someone says, oh, I really like that or that's really good. And then that feeds into this, the world of what you are making, like that is a part of that process. And so I think it's about taking the time and I can only speak to my own personal experience, I'm going to date this particular conversation now, but because of the pandemic, because of um, COVID, we've had six months of what I would call solitude. Like I've had six months of solitude where I I had time with myself to think about these things. And so what I'm saying through all of that is that it was acknowledging that I was seeking validation from others in the work that I was doing, and then every time something came up that touched on that is questioning it and going do i need that person to validate what i'm doing so whether it's an art portfolio or whether it's an interview or whatever it is in order to know that my my work and and i think with a lot of artists my worth my self-worth is worthy based on something that someone else has said
0: Next is a clip from episode 16, Putting People and Relationships First, with Brian DeSimone. In this clip, Brian talks about how important relationships are as the fundamental basis of all success. Here's Brian.
14: People and your relationships with people, in most cases, are gonna drive a lot of um, your success, meaning treating people really good, gaining people's trust early on or over time and just having good relationships because the relationships are just connections and whatever it is that you're doing, those connections are going to be useful in one way or another. So treating people well is key, you know, not always fighting for yourself, you know, you know, take time for other people like go out of your way. Like um, it doesn't always have to be about you and, you know, really putting in genuine time and energy to be there to show up for other people. Yeah, showing up for other people is like huge. It can be little or big. It can be however you, however you want it to look. But just remember, if you're building a business right now or you're trying to figure stuff out, but you're just in your room on your computer all day and you're not like meeting with people at all, you could become the best at whatever it is that you're doing. But then once you get there and you haven't made any relationships, where are you going to start?
1: Last but certainly not least, we have a clip from episode 17, turning dreams into reality with Massimiliano Freddy, or as we like to call him, Max. In this clip, Max shares a metaphor about IKEA that I think we can all embrace to help us approach new situations this coming year with a sense of wonder and possibility. Here's Max.
15: I always make make this metaphor about IKEA. When you go with your family and kids to IKEA, The first thing you meet after the parking lot is the small, which is the area where kids can play while parents do their furniture shopping. And I think they have it in every IKEA around the globe, more more or less. Okay, so when a kid enters there, it's a nice playground and they don't come there with an expectation because they don't know what kind of games or toys there are inside. And honestly, they don't care. They don't know the people and the other kids with whom they will be playing with. And they don't know how long their parents will stay away and so on and so on and so on. So they, they come in from a position of everything is uncertain, but they go there to play. And so what was the kind of negative effect of their parents wanting to shop becomes the total positive effect of having a sandbox. So a place in which you can play freely because there are not the toys you have at home. There are not the toys you were longing for. It's another thing. And so I try to approach every new situation, I think, with this mindset. And I trust to my that, like, that I will find a way of having fun and of learning something, and of creating an experience for other people to learn and have fun with me as well.
0: And that's a wrap to this special episode of In Trust. We're excited to bring these insights forward with us into 2021. And hope you are as well. We're incredibly grateful to our guests for sharing their wisdom and perspectives with us this past year. And of course, we are incredibly grateful to all of you out there for listening. We are looking forward to bringing you some amazing interviews in the year ahead, so please join us again next time for In Trust.
1: Thanks for listening to the InTrust podcast. And if this resonated with you, be sure to subscribe or follow and leave us a review. We would also love for you to share with a friend because after all, trust is an infinite game and it's better together. And now a quick word from our sponsors.
0: If you missed out on the panel conversations Spotlight Trust hosted late last year, Fret not, dear listener, as we'll be releasing these crucial conversations about both the historic and contemporary origins of medical mistrust, as well as potential solutions to addressing this issue. The first of the two-part conversation, titled Medical Mistrust from Past to Present, will be released next week right here on the podcast, so stay tuned and subscribe to make sure you don't miss this valuable discussion. We hope to see you there.